Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey, I'm Janet French, and this is the Press Gallery. Before we get to today's show, just a reminder to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you listen. Leave us a rating and a review, and it would really help us out. Enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's Alberta politics podcast. It's Friday, October 18th, 2019, and this is episode 294, the Greta Thunberg in Alberta edition. I am a host, Janet French. Joining me in the studio today is, for her first time, is reporter Anna Yonker. How you doing? Oh, I'm okay. She's wearing a blanket. I am. I'm She's very cold. cold. We'll get to that in a minute. Sitting next to her is our boss, Dave Breckenridge. How are you? Really well, thanks. Wonderful. Yes. And also making his podcast debut is reporter Jason Herring. How are you? Howdy, Janet. I'm doing okay. Wonderful. Thanks so much for joining me, guys. They've both really pitched in to help this week covering off some of the political stories provincially and federally, which I much appreciate. Uh, lots going on this week. Uh, the reason Anna is wearing a blanket, perhaps, is because we were just spending a couple of hours outside as a Swedish climate activist Greta Thunberg came to Alberta and joined uh, a bunch of Indigenous and local climate protesters on the steps of the legislature for quite an animated rally. It was huge. Uh, so we'll talk about that. And we're also going to talk about some of the ruckus this week in the legislature over truck driving licensing rules and regulations. They're changing. And some families uh, who lost relatives in the bus collision uh, involving the Humboldt Rockos hockey team who lost their loved ones, um, very concerned about uh, some exemptions that are in place right now for some truck drivers who are newly licensed in Alberta. And finally, finally, the federal election is only three sleeps away. Somebody make it end. Anyway, we're going to talk about the the final days of the campaign. If there if did, did much happen in Alberta, hmm, I don't know. We'll get there. Anyhow, first of all, Anna, uh, as I just mentioned, we just got back from the legislature. Tell me a little bit about who was there, what you saw, what happened. Oh boy. Okay. So there was a lot that went on. <laughs> so EPS, Edmonton Police, just sent out their crowd estimates. So they're oh. estimating over 4,000 people showed up uh, for the climate strike rally, part of the Fridays for Future that Greta Thunberg uh, started way back when. And she's the Swedish climate activist who has been in the news lately. And so this was, I believe, just one of the Friday climate strikes as usual. But Greta happened to be in Alberta. And we learned that she reached out to Climate Justice Edmonton, who is one of the many organizers of the climate strike. And uh, she joined and she was, the, I believe, the last speaker uh, at the steps of the legislature. And... Quite, yeah, quite the uh, the animated 
crowd. There were some counter protesters that joined who were in support of the oil and gas sector. So right, and this all started actually downtown in Edmonton, right? First, with uh, w- where did people meet up, and and what what was the effect on downtown Edmonton as they kind of moved through? Yeah, they all gathered at Beaver Hills House Park, and just. From my observation, that wasn't a very large piece of land for the <laughs> amount of a, people. It's not a big park. No. no, no. So they all gathered there, and that's where things started. And they went uh, west on Jasper Avenue, and traffic eventually was blocked off by Edmonton police officers to let the uh, marchers go through peacefully and uh, turned down 108th Street, I believe, and then went straight to the legislature, where I would say hundreds of people had already gathered when the... Uh, when the marchers showed up. so Yeah, so. and they had lots of signs, the climate protesters, um, some of the usual slogans about there is no planet B. And, you know, we've seen some of those messages before. Meanwhile, I was standing on 109th Street where a convoy that left Red Deer and then went through Nisku this morning was arriving. At the, and they couldn't, couldn't kind of get to the legislature because it's not a very car-friendly grounds. But what they were doing is they were driving uh, trucks decked out with decals and Some like even semi-trailers or double tank trailers were kind of going in a loop around the legislature grounds. Lots and lots of very loud honking, some blowing their air horns. People, you know, hooting out the window, waving their arms, waving the we love Canadian oil and gas signs. And you could actually hear that honking go on throughout the protest. It went on, I think, for several hours. So when she finally took the microphone, what did we hear Greta Thunberg say? I think... Possibly some people may have been surprised that she didn't even mention um, Alberta or Alberta's oil and gas sector. She kept it very much towards um, the science about climate change and the fact that these are a bunch of students that are coming out to rally and that it should actually be the adults on the streets who uh, can can make that change. And they'd rather be in school and learning and not out striking uh, for their future. Yeah, she had a great line, and I don't know how consistent her speech is between locations. She might deliver a similar one. I don't know. I would (laughs) for efficiency. But uh, she said, if you don't like it that we're missing class, then you come out here, you adults come out here, and you take to the streets and either do this for us or join us. Um, because it, she says it needs to be done. So uh, there were some interesting political reactions this week. So first, this all came to our attention earlier in the week or possibly on the Thanksgiving weekend when Greta had tweeted, um, by the way, I'm done taking a few days rest and then I'm going to Alberta. She didn't say where. We didn't know where we were going to see her. And then on Wednesday, we learned from Climate Justice Edmonton that she would be coming to the legislature and participating in this um, Fridays for Future rally. Uh, and then we started asking some cabinet ministers, particularly uh, Environment and Parks Minister, Jason Nixon. Hey, so you're going to reach out to her? I mean, this is a, a world famous activist making the rounds right now. What uh, are you going to try and meet with her? And he said, nope, not really. Uh, she hasn't reached out to us. We haven't reached out to her. Uh, we hope that she comes and learn. if she's coming here, she should learn some more about Alberta's oil sands and our impeccable social justice record and our the incredible environmental strides we have made in our oil and gas industry. Dave. What do you think about this uh, political approach to Greta's visit? Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know the UCP, they could have taken the approach of not saying anything about Greta's appearance here, or they could have tried to be kind of as they did, like polite, but not friendly as it were, you know, obviously 
Alberta has a long record of not wanting, not liking outsiders coming in and telling us how to live our lives and deal with our resources. It's kind of a lose-lose either way for them. If they, if they criticize her, they're called out for being mean to a 16 year old, or if they ignore her, they're called out for saying, oh, we don't, they don't care about climate or I don't know. It's one of those things that they, from an optics point of view, it's, you can just kind of say as little as you can and then just hope it blows over in a short period of time. Yeah. And Jason uh, was at an availability with Jason Kenny today. Um, where were you, Jason? And what did the premier say about Greta's visit? Yeah. So Jason Kenny and myself were very far from the uh, rally happening at the legislature today. But not Sweden far. No, we were about 70 kilometers west of Edmonton uh, at Keep Hills, where TransAlta has a power plant. I was told that this event was scheduled a few months in advance, uh, that it's just a coincidence that it's happening today. But it was actually for the opening, uh, for turning on the taps for a natural gas pipeline uh, that they are touting as cleaner oil or, or cleaner energy, I should say, uh, than the coal power that was being used there before. So uh, Jason Kenny did use the opportunity to kind of throw some jabs at not Greta Thunberg herself, but at the protesters who were there at the legislature today. Uh, he largely said things like, you know, these protesters had to charge their iPhones last night and they're charging their iPhones through the use of Alberta Energy. That was one of the big talking points. He said, you know, Greta Thunberg, we didn't reach out to her. Shouldn't reach out to us. Exactly the same thing as you said earlier, Janet. Huh. They're just not that into each other, I guess. No. I don't know. Um, an interesting... It did get political, though, today, even though there the there were a few... I saw a few NDP MLAs there. Um, I didn't see any anyone from government or any UCP MLAs. Uh, but the, the chants of the protesters and the, the pro-energy counter-protesters were certainly political. Near the end, this kind of weird thing happened after the, the program was over where people sort of gathered in the fountain. <laughs> was, uh, there was no water in the fountain, but there's a big, long fountain uh, right in front of the legislature and the, and the grounds. And uh, there was this sort of group of people that had, uh, we love Alberta energy or we love Canadian energy signs. And there's a guy with a megaphone uh, saying things like, well, go get a job at a gas station and um, don't forget not to turn turn your furnace off tonight when you get home and things like that at the protesters. And the uh, the, the protesters were just chanting some of the same um, pro-environmental lines, like get rid of oil and gas kind of things. Um, and so one of the sort of chants they were exchanging was the, the pro-oil protesters were chanting, uh, Justin Trudeau's got to go, hey, hey, ho, ho. Justin Trudeau's got to go. And then they got kind of got overpowered by the environmental protesters chanting, hey, hey, ho, ho, Jason Kenney's got to go. And and Jason Kenney's name was thrown around by by chance several times during this event. Well, the, I find the whole thing around that kind of funny. Uh, you know, he's, again, the Justin Trudeau may get voted out on on Monday. Jason Justin Trudeau's facing an election and these people don't like Justin Trudeau. That makes sense to say Justin Trudeau's got to go. For the people who are chanting, Jason Kenney's got to go, well, he's democratically elected and you, you're stuck with him for four years if you don't like him. But the, the thing I find funniest about it is the NDP MLAs who are at this rally, Greta would probably be no fan of the oil pipeline that the NDP government was hoping would get built for the last four years and championing and um, going after the Justin Trudeau liberals who aren't even green enough 
for Greta, but we're going after Justin Trudeau's liberals for uh, the tanker ban uh, bill and Bill C-69. Like, I would, do, are the NDP a pro-pipeline party or are they not a pro-pipeline party? We'll get to more of that later when and, we discuss and did, the federal And election. did none of the activists <laughs> at the rally call out the NDP MLAs who had been lobbying for TMX to get built for the last... It's Four Yeah, years? it's really interesting because Rachel Notley actually sent out an open letter and she said in a scrum, I think yesterday, she told reporters like, yes, I would really love to meet with Greta and we've put out a letter to invite her to meet. And I don't know if that ever materialized. I certainly didn't hear about it. I've been told that Greta didn't respond to any requests from any politicians to meet. She's a busy girl. Yes. Yeah, she fair is. enough. She's also living her life, right? Yeah. She has no obligations to meet with any... Uh... Yeah politicians. I'm just sighing at the thought of an obligation-free life. Speaking (laughs) of that, let's move on (laughs) (laughs) to Humboldt, which is a decidedly unfunny topic to talk about. Um, So we had a really strange day in the legislature on Wednesday. Um, There was no, the House didn't sit on Wednesday morning and there were a whole bunch of press conferences and uh, Jason went to one of them, which was hosted by the NDP and they had some special guests. So tell us a little bit about what you heard there. Yeah, so Rachel Notley held this press conference flanked by family members of the Humboldt Broncos, of, 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 of people who were on the Humboldt Broncos bus who passed away during that crash in April 2018. Now, after that crash, the NDP uh, put out some policy that that essentially meant that people who were getting class one or class two licenses to drive multi-axle vehicles had to do this training called MELT, uh, mandatory entry-level training. Now, last month, the UCP changed some of the regulations behind MELT so that drivers could become exempt from it if they got their licensing during a certain stretch of time and they had a clean driving record, meaning that they didn't have any, you know, violations or demerit points or things like that. And essentially what Rachel Notley and what these Humboldt family members were saying was that this is going to uh, really hurt safety on the roads. It's going to put, it's going to create a risk of another tragedy like this happening again. Uh, In response, until this point, the UCP had essentially been saying the NDP's stance on uh, making road testing a public enterprise was the reason why they had to uh, change these exemptions because the drivers weren't able to pass the tests quick enough. They weren't able to schedule the testing quick enough. Yeah. So there's 6,800, the government says, Mm -hmm. 6,800 drivers who were licensed between March 2019 and I think September. Mm or we're actually not even, it got super confusing, you guys, really confusing. And that that is part of the problem with this story or covering this story is that it became incredibly unclear. Uh, they won't actually put down on paper who the exemptions apply to. There is an explanation on the government's website. And then there's been some shifting goalposts on this. We're not quite sure. And so the NDP ended up putting forward this emergency motion, right? Asking for something? So the emergency motion put forward by the NDP on Wednesday was asking for a debate on the topic and also to urge the government to reconsider uh, these exemptions for MELT training. Uh, In kind of an unusual move. It was actually uh, unanimously agreed upon by 
the entire house to uh, have this emergency debate. Uh, and they spent some time chatting about it. And Rick, McI Rick McIver, the transportation minister, uh, actually revealed that he had previously in the day chatted with these Humboldt family members and he'd had something of a change of heart. And he was reconsidering um, what these exemptions should be, what the regulation should be. He did, yeah. And then, um, and he came to talk to us. We should say that, I mean, they're under some pressure because those families who came to appear at the NDP press conference, they stuck around at the legislature for the rest of the day. They sat in the gallery and watched this emergency debate. So, I mean, they have to face these people who lost their children and their loved ones in this crash. Uh, and they also came and stood down in the rotunda when the politicians were talking to reporters afterwards. And so Rick McIver kind of came out and made some more comments that were similar to the comments before the motion was passed. And we were trying to understand if this motion had changed anything. And it was really unclear if it did. And then he went off and liaised with some of his staff and then came back and said, actually, I misspoke. It's this way instead. And so and then somebody brought out a diagram and, oh, my goodness, we're really confused. And so uh, then Rachel Notley spoke as well afterwards, just saying she was really disappointed. It seemed like the reason they were trying to make this motion was to try and get them to roll back some of the changes that the new government had made since they'd taken office on this file. But that it doesn't sound like they were going to honor that or, or act upon that. Uh, and still, so some family members did speak to us at the end of the day, again, just saying, you know, the driver who was driving the long haul truck that that crashed, that blew through the stop sign and crashed into this bus full of hockey players and their staff, um, that driver had been licensed for three weeks and the driver had a clean record. So what is the point of saying you need to have a clean record. If you get an exemption from our new testing rules, if you have a clean record, if brand new drivers with clean records could be in this situation, like it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have helped in this scenario, which is their point. But then again, today we have a development that we just heard before this podcast. What, what did we hear? So Rick, McI Rick McIver is tweeting out uh, this new development. Uh, he says, yesterday I wrote an op-ed on Melt uh, that was published in the Edmonton Journal. Hey, that's uh, us where I stated that, quote, after meeting with some Humboldt families and hearing their concerns, we're exploring ways to hold these 6,800 drivers to a zero-tolerance safety standard with a probationary period. Following conversations with families, we've decided that transition drivers will be placed on a two-year probation, in addition to already required clean driving record. If they receive an infraction of any kind within their probation, they'll be re required to retest under MELT. So it sounds like Jason gets to go make some phone calls after this mm -hmm. podcast to find out what this means in English. <laughs> it's Dave? Been a, it's been a busy day for everyone. Look, you know, <laughs> just based on how complex the explanation of this was and the fact that you had um, people who were affected by a very public tragedy and something that's far easier to understand, speaking out about it. The government was going to, it was a losing situation for them. It reminded me in some ways of the Bill 6 rollout that the NDP did, which was so confusing and you didn't know who the bill was going to apply to and would it ruin family farms and would people who only had their family work on it. Like there was so much confusion around that bill rollout that um, the NDP, I think, took a lot of hits at the time and in part because they didn't do a good job explaining what the bill was going to do. And I think that's what affected uh, McIver and the UCP government here. You know, McIver has a good point and our colleagues in Calgary have written stories about how driving driver's testing has slowed to a crawl and the wait list is getting really long. And there is a concern that 
people who who get these 6,800 people who got licensed under the previous rules, even as there was the intent to bring in the new rules, if they can't get tested, they can't work. And some of and them that, are school bus drivers and and farmers, and they have an extension yeah, as well. They so have, there's... There, there is an extension that was an extra extension. So you have these drivers who didn't fit under the extension given to farm workers and school bus drivers, but people who had uh, taken tests under good faith that, you know, once I get my license, I'm good to go. And then it's like, well, you have to retest, but I can't retest because there's, there's no such testers. a backlog and now I can't work. <laughs> so I understand the idea behind the exemption, but there is a legitimate concern that someone like the driver who was behind the wheel of the truck that hit the Humboldt Broncos bus and killed 16 and injured 14 people, you'd want them tested under these new regulations. But... So and there's is, also the angle that America will now require melt train drivers. If you want to cross the border and drive a truck across the border yeah. as of 2020, you need to have the training. Yeah. So, so we've got to do it either way. Yeah, you've got to do it either way. But it does create a problem in the system when there's a pinch point. And the pinch point is there aren't enough people to do the testing. So giving them an exemption makes sense. But at the same time, you do want roads to be saved. It feels like, you know, there was... There wasn't really a win here for the UCP. They were going to take heat over it. Um, and it's good to see them kind of reconsider and extend the probationary period for these people. I would say, look, you can, you can drive under a probationary period, but you have to get tested right away. Or, you know, if... They are hiring more testers. Yeah, I know. But uh, that, yeah, like, even that is a outsourced. process, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's I remember true. when the when the NDP decided to to change the the testing system in the province. I thought this is just not gonna be good, and it wasn't. <laughs> you are a, a savant, or something. Speaking of savants, <laughs> I'm staring at Anna, and she's giving me this look like, "What? Why am I? Why do you think I'm a savant?" I'm concerned. Uh, I'm actually. Well, should I ask you to make some election predictions? I don't know. Let's talk about the federal election. It is just a few days away. Many people have already cast their ballots in advance polls. It was maybe a little sleepy in Alberta. Um, I think people have the sense that um, the you know the conservatives are are certainly polling wise leading in most Alberta ridings. There is one, one Edmonton riding, though, that has always been intriguing for the past several years. And we had another twist in that riding this week. Anna? We sure fill did. Fill us in. All right. So this riding, Edmonton Strathcona, um, it's currently held by an NDP person who is no longer running, Linda Duncan. Linda Duncan, yeah. And uh, it's now a toss-up at this point between the conservative candidate uh, Sam Lilly and NDP candidate Heather McPherson. And uh, this week, Wednesday, I believe, time has kind of escaped me. (laughs) Where are we? Yeah. Where are we? What are we? (laughs) The Green Party candidate for that riding, Michael uh, Kalmanovich, I believe is how you say his last name. He dropped out as a candidate. He quit and endorsed the NDP candidate. What did the Green Party think of that? Uh, The Green Party was uh, not very pleased. They actually announced also on Wednesday that he was removed as a candidate in Edmonton Strathcona, which I guess is... You know, he already... He already did that. He already did that, yeah. <laughs> okay. so But he is uh, also no longer a member of the party. Ooh, consequences. Right. Why did he do it? Uh, basically because he 
said that the the climate crisis, sorry, is too important for people to be playing politics. And so he endorsed the NDP candidate because he believed that that was, I guess, the best the best person to get the job done in regards to the climate crisis. He sure didn't time it very well, considering that people had already voted in advance polls and he maybe racked up, I don't know, 50 votes or something. Yeah. Well, he'll still be on the ballot, right? Yeah, and, and he's still on the ballot. This whole thing is kind of ridiculous. It's like it, people can still vote for him. They can decide whether or not they're going to listen to him. It, it, maybe he should have realized a week into the campaign that he had no hope of winning the riding at all and just stepping. If that was his... I don't know. It just, it it's a cynical move and it's kind of frustrating. And if I was a Green Party voter in that riding, I'd be really, really mad. I'd be furious. And there I'm are some not, signs. Like yeah. I, I live in that riding and I have to tell you that um, I can't think of a, a past federal election um, where I received so much mail and so many canvassers. So uh, I used to live in a swing riding in Saskatoon that was uh, Saskatoon West, which is was most recently won by the NDP for the first time in a long time. Um, but the amount of mail that I got uh, this week alone, we got personalized letters in a questionable font from Sam Lilly, dear homeowner, but to to our actual names, uh, you know, imploring us to uh, to turf Justin Trudeau and some strange looking notes from the liberals saying that they're the best people to keep the conservatives out and then another warning another warning flyer from the conservatives a couple day after days after that saying a vote for Jagmeet Singh is a vote for Justin Trudeau coalition so it's interesting to watch the strategies evolve as they uh, as they progress through the campaign what what have you guys heard about strategic voting warnings of strategic votings and coalitions in the past few days I mean, I've heard a lot from the leaders around strategic voting and, you yeah. know, there's, you know, they've, Andrew Scheer has talked about the idea of a liberal NDP coalition. Uh, Justin Trudeau is, has, you know, plainly said, I'm, the liberals are the, in the best position to stop uh, Andrew Scheer and the conservatives. So vote for the liberals, don't vote for the NDP. Uh, other liberals have talked about, you know, you want a seat at the government table. I think a lot of that is related to uh, the fight between the Liberals and the Bloc Québécois in Quebec, where uh, the Bloc has really kind of seen a resurgence and the Liberals are saying, whoa, 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 if you want <laughs> Quebec issues addressed in government, vote for the government, don't vote for uh, the separatists. I I don't know. I, I kind of, uh, my, my son and I were talking about the student vote that they do and he was like, how do you decide who to vote for? And I'm like, look, you know, he's thinking like he wants to, he doesn't know who he was going to pick. And I said, Look at what they have to say and vote for who you want to vote for. I know in Edmonton, if you look at Twitter at all in Edmonton for a while, A, you get really frustrated. What? Uh, and yeah, it's, ah, you know. Super and fun. B, the one, thing, the one thing I have noticed is a lot of progressive people in Edmonton who are really, really annoyed at the at the hold your nose and vote liberal. Mm. They're just like, forget you guys. Uh, you know, yeah. I haven't seen much foul language, but I know that there's a lot of foul language in the thought process behind some of these people <laughs> who are really annoyed at liberals saying you have to vote liberal. And it's funny. It's a very paternalistic liberal kind of thing to do. Natural governing party. Yeah. You and know, all that. Yeah, we're the only yeah. ones who are capable. Well, no, you know, all the leaders in the, in the election have proven themselves capable of having good leadership moments in the election. So saying mm -hmm. that, you know, we're the only party who can do it is, is, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. And if you put stock into the polls, uh, the polls that I've been looking at are the ones on uh, 338 Canada. Uh, in, in Edmonton, if there's going to be anything other than a sea of blue, 
it's going to be Heather McPherson in Edmonton Strathcona. Uh, the liberal candidate in that riding, according to the polls, doesn't have a chance to win. But Heather McPherson absolutely does. Which is why just a couple of hours ago, we had an email in our inboxes from Rachel Notley. Now, in the House this week, Jason Kenney and the rest of the UCP have been hounding the leader of the opposition. Who are you voting for? Who are you voting for? Almost like goading or taunting her. Like, she, tell us who you're voting for. We're voting for the federal conservatives. They've been out campaigning and canvassing and handing out flyers. And, uh, and of course, they have not answered the question. But today, Rachel Notley did answer the question. Anna? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, she did. She did, in fact, answer that question by uh, endorsing Heather McPherson. Yes. And she says in her email, well, um, I'm not a huge fan of Jagmeet Singh's approach to pipelines, but I'm very worried about um, sort of the damage, her words, not mine, of, of um, potential conservative rule in the country. And in my riding in particular, in Edmonton Strathcona, Heather McPherson, she believes is the best person to defeat Sam Lilly, the conservative candidate. It is hilarious though. And I mean, Rachel Notley th can thank our colleague Keith Gerine for the constant questions because I think he was the first one to raise it uh, not long before the writ dropped. Like he had questions for the federal election and and it was, you know, one of the questions that he had about the election was, who is Rachel Notley going to vote for? You know, she she's talked... She had talked about how frustrated she was with Justin Trudeau and the Liberals around Bill C-69 and Bill C-48. Um, so that kind of seemed like not a possibility. And you'd think, well, an NDP MLA and former NDP premier would naturally vote for the NDP candidate. But mm -hmm. she has been very publicly against Jagmeet Singh's stance on uh, Alberta's oil industry, as well as the Trans Mountain Pipeline. So I am in some ways kind of surprised to see her come out today and endorse uh, Heather McPherson yeah. based on her public comments. But I, I get the sense that they feel that any grief that not, she may take uh, over the endorsement because of her past comments about Jagmeet Singh. She's already Singh, getting that grief anyway. She's already yeah. getting it. And... I imagine they figure that Heather McPherson needs that push. The polls are that close um, and they figure that and NDP voters who may have not been sure, but it is weird. You essentially have two, you look at that riding, the NDP base and the, you, and the federal conservative base seem to be about the same. So they have their bases short up. So does a, an NDP and former NDP premier's endorsement of the NDP candidate get liberal voters to their side? Does it get green voters to their I side? Is it going to push her over but provincially, Sam Lilly? You know, it's not a perfect match, but I um, provincially part of the riding is Edmonton Strathcona, the provincial riding, and part of it is Edmonton Gold Bar, which is my provincial riding. Those are both very heavy NDP wins in the provincial election. Yeah. I mean, among the top in the province. But then so, why, but then why is Heather McPherson not doing better? That's, I mean, those are those questions that you ask, you know, yeah, so does she, question. does she have the whole base sewn up and does Sam Lilly have the conservative base sewn up? And then it's just a matter of getting swing voters out or, or undecided. Or is there more interest in the liberals this time in that area for some reason that would be withdrawing voters from... <laughs> Well, I think, like, the reason, I, I think the reason there is more interest in the Liberals than the NDP is because Linda Duncan isn't running for re-election. I think that she was a big part of the NDP base in that writing. She had a personal brand, brand cachet. Anyway, we are droning on. Let us, let us wrap this thing up with a tidy little bow of recommended reading, which, as you know, we call good stuff from the gallery. 
Jason, hit us with your very first good stuff. What is it? My recommended reading is recommended listening. Yeah. Uh, the new album by Big Thief, a Brooklyn band fronted by uh, Adrian Lenker, uh, came out last Friday. It's called Two Hands. It's actually their second album of the year, which is a, a strange turn for a band to have. But uh, they've now put out my two favorite albums of the year. So would heavily recommend listening to it. The first single, Not, is a really great track. Wonderful. Dave, what are you, what are you reading? Uh, I'm just still trying to make sense of all of those words he just said. It is obviously, you know. Songs are good. So well, I like those music, but I've good. never, you know. Yeah, I'm, he's like, I'm, I'm old. Um, <laughs> no, he's not. You just called me old. I, well, that's all I generally do is complain about about my... Uh, creaking body parts. My creaking and body and, yeah. and how old I'm getting. Anyway, so reading. <laughs> um, well, I haven't been doing a lot of reading. I Just on the on the topic of music, I, I challenged myself to do something. And I would encourage everyone to, to do this because it's, I think it's fun. So I, you know, in the age of playlists and Spotify and random play and stuff, that's all I used to do to listen to music. I'd put my earphones in uh, for my commute to work on the bus and the train. I'd get out a book and I'd hit random on my phone and I got a lot of music on my phone. And so it just kind of spit out songs. And I was like, this is just getting boring. Mm -hmm. It's getting boring. So I challenged myself and I've I've taken on the quest to listen to every single album <gasps> in my phone front <gasps> to back. Oh my god! And I to make it so it's not the same genre over and over again. I'm doing it alphabetical by album title. So I'm that in, is super OCD. I well, it's better <laughs> than it. like alphabetical by <laughs> artist because then I get clumps of artists all together. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm at I'm at the letter D now, and I've found that like in this era of kind of like quick pop culture hits and like short videos and like I said, playlists on streaming services, you kind of lose the idea of what an album is. So I just encourage if any of you are putting on any music this weekend, and I know some of you may already do this, but if you're putting on any music at home this weekend, put on an album, find an album, whether it's a CD or a record or on Spotify or on iTunes or whatever, and just play it front to back. Could be a favorite album, could be an album you haven't heard before, could be one that your friends have been bugging you about for a while or the one that uh, Jason just mentioned. Um, and just listen to the whole thing front to back. And it's just like a totally different listening experience that I find really fulfilling. A pitch for the album. Bring back the album. No, I'm with you. Um, I, those those randomizers, I must be, this is one of my wildly unpopular opinion, drive me insane. The things that they choose that they think I like, I must like Y because I like X, I don't like Y. I'm like, no, Y sucks. Well, for me, it's random of all my own music and even oh. that got tiring after a while. Oh, it's yeah, like it was just jarring. I'd have yeah. Nine Inch Nails, one song, and then... David Gray, another no, song, no, and then no. it would just be, it was just odd. It's so really like, what is... mood am I in? Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to stick myself in here. I actually did read something, guys. <laughs> Woo. Um, so highly relevant to our interests and discussion about oil. We heard a lot of talk this week from politicians, um, when, especially when they found out that Greta Thunberg was coming. They were like, we hope that she takes some time to learn about how Alberta's oil is super ethical and the cleanest in the world. Well, my colleague Jacon, Jason Markasoff, who used to work at this paper, but now works for McLean's Magazine, uh, did a little bit of a fact-checking, science and environmental studies and so forth, and looked into this claim about whether Alberta's oil is in fact the cleanest in the world. I mean, they do have to suck it out of the sand. So there is an extra step required as opposed to just conventional oil extraction. And what he found was 
It's not, but it's also complicated. It depends on what oil and what source of oil and what process they use. Um, And it's actually a really nuanced discussion. But no, it's not quite right to say, yes, all Alberta oil is the cleanest in the world. So, um, and I would highly recommend you read it because he does go into quite a bit of detail, which I appreciated. Anna. Hello. Give us your final recommendation. Well, I definitely don't recommend uh, reading through my Twitter mentions today. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a, like a, a backhanded yeah. endorsement right there. Yeah, we we were uh, tweeting a lot from that rally, and it's really uh, so, so it, people, some it excited some some Twitter users. It sure did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but uh, keeping with the the whole uh, politics theme, my recommendation is a watch, and it's a Netflix series uh, called The Politician. Uh, It stars Ben Platt of Pitch Perfect fame and Gwyneth Paltrow, and it's a comedy drama. It's been out for a few weeks, I think, maybe a month. Um, Very, very binge-worthy. And uh, basically, yeah, it's a comedy drama, a bit satirical too, and if you think the politics of the Alberta legislature are a bit crazy, this is very much more so. So, great, great watch. Yeah. I'm I'm not quite confident enough to swear on the podcast the whole thing is batshit hey oh that's better okay (laughs) i'll swear next week that is all the time we have for today thank you so much all for being with me do you have any thoughts on this podcast listeners if you do you can email me i'm at jfrench at postmedia.com or you can tweet at me angry climate tweets or not i'm janta french on twitter join us next week for another episode of the press gallery 